welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and I'm a certified holistic health and nutrition coach. And we're broadcasting live today from Malibu, California. And this afternoon, I'm interviewing Beverly Meyer of OnDietAndHealth.com on how to optimize your feel-good neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, and others. And she's a fellow podcaster as well. She's got a fantastic podcast. Um, It's called, um, what is it called, Beverly? Hi. Yes, it's Primal Diet Modern Health. Yes, that's what I was trying to think of. That's a damn thyroid. (laughs) Um, But today... We're going to be talking, you know, about how to, you know, optimize your neurotransmitters. And I thought this show is really important um, because, you know, one in ten people are on antidepressant medications. And uh, I personally suffered from depression for years without any clue about how it could be remedied. And the only option you're given at your doctor's is antidepressant medication. And, you know, I tried that and it didn't really work. I, you know, I had a few months where I felt a little bit better, but the effects seemed to wear off. And that's exactly correct. Antidepressants tend to deplete neurotransmitters after a few months, causing the effects to diminish just as I experienced. And, you know, many people have depression when their lives are going just fine. It's not circumstances that are causing their depression. You know, this is my case too. I didn't realize that diet plays a huge role in depression. Uh, You must eat animal protein to optimize your neurotransmitters. It's what the neurotransmitters are made of. You know, some people like me eat it at every meal to provide the basic building blocks to serotonin and dopamine. But when I had the bright idea to go vegan a few years ago, it plunged me me into depression, anxiety, which I never had in my life up until that point. And I even occasionally went into rages, um, of course, which I had never experienced before. It was not like my personality at all. And it was just because I was deficient in neurotransmitters because I wasn't eating any animal protein at all. And needless to say, um, I am not a candidate for the vegan diet. Um, But you also cannot, like I was doing, uh, eat a ton of wheat flour and sugar. Um, But that's all I ate all day long. You know, I used to have a really horrible diet. I was addicted to sugar and grains. And this totally threw my body on a nonstop roller coaster blood sugar ride. And I recently discovered uh, that my, to my surprise, that sugar makes me really, really irritable. You know, I never, you know, I always had heard that, You know, sugar affects your mood, but I just was eating it all day long, so I never really made the connection. And when I've done a sugar detox and gotten off the sugar and then had some, my mood took a major nosedive. So believe me, your diet is contributing to your bad moods too. Uh, But we're going to get into all this stuff during the show. But before we get started, I have to do a little disclaimer. Uh, please keep in mind that this show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment my guests or I suggest on this show. And if you like what you hear in today's show, please give the Live to 110 podcast a nice review and rating in iTunes. Uh, This will help people around the world to find the show easier and get my word out on health. And I would really appreciate it so much. And please go check out my site, live2110.com. I am attempting to the best of my abilities to achieve the optimum health that I can possibly achieve. And I'm not talking about just the absence of symptoms or disease. I, I want to experience soaring energy and optimum health. 
So come join me on my journey on the site. You know, I've got a weekly blog post. I've got a pod, the podcast, obviously. I've got videos on there and a, a free webinar, you know, all there to help you achieve your health goals. So let's get on with the show. Um, when our neurotransmitters get out of balance, uh, they cause all kinds of mental and physical problems, most notably depression and anxiety. And our guest, Beverly Meyer, is going to tell you all about how you can optimize production of these neurotransmitters and how to take control of your mind and your life. Good afternoon, Beverly. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Well, first, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I am a clinical nutritionist, and really I call myself a holistic nutritionist. But I'm I'm in my early 60s, but I've been a client of natural health since my late teens. So I've been at this as a client for a very long time, as a very dedicated client with a lot of health problems, working with a, a huge variety of practitioners all over the United States, even Canada, and some in Europe and Mexico. So I have a big background as a patient and but my, I also, my education was all in, in business, economics and finance, and, and I'm a natural entrepreneur. So I, I've had many businesses in my life and managed to burn myself out several times. And at some point back in, oh, I don't know, about 10, 12 years ago, I really just ran myself to the ground and had to take a year off to, to recoup. And that's when I really started to learn about the effect of the neurotransmitters. So I now have a natural health clinic. I've been doing that since 1985 in San Antonio. So I'm a good patient, but I'm also a pretty good practitioner. And um, uh, like you were mentioning, my my blog is ondietandhealth.com. And my podcasts are, I have, uh, oh, gosh, over 60 podcasts. And they're at Primal Diet Modern Health. And you can get that on iTunes or on my website. And so that's my focus is let's, first of all, food first. That's at Primal Diet. Let's get the bodies eating the way we evolved to eat. We're, we're not hummingbirds. We're not wolves. We're not crickets. We're humans. And that's my DVD that I've made on this, filmed on this, called The Diet for Human Beings. And uh, it's so that's available on Amazon or my website too. So there's a little a little short answer for who I am, patient and practitioner. Yeah, and I really love your podcast. I've been a fan for a long time. I just eat them up. <laughs> I'm sad that you're going to be pausing for a little bit because you mentioned you were writing a book. Well, actually, what, what <laughs> the um, I've kind of managed to overwork myself again. What with the podcasting and the blogging and the Facebook and and all this stuff, as well as the clinic, and I own a very large natural health center here in San Antonio, and that all needs to get managed, the building and the tenants too. And so now what I'm doing is I've backed off seeing my clients for the summer and I'm not working on the book at all, so I'm really taking a lot more uh, really medical time for myself to really dig into some deeper level of my emotional, mental, physical problems, how they're all tied up and knotted up together. And as I tell my clients, I say, look, I'm in this practice for me. And anything I learn that seems like it'd be helpful to you, I'm going to pass it on. And that's kind of a, um, I think it's a pretty common approach with most natural health practitioners is that we're working on our own health issues. And it's just very inspiring to pass that on to other people. So 
now I'm not working on the book, but I am working on myself. So I'm back working on that again now. Well, good for you. Good that you're taking care of yourself. And uh, one thing that I, I as a you know practitioner myself, that I was very, I was really um, blown away when I learned about how we can um, increase our neurotransmitters naturally because. You know, our our whole lives, most people are only um, exposed to the medical facet of health, and um, or the medical Western medical allopathic paradigm of health. So we only know about, hey, if we're depressed, and you take an antidepressant. Um, let's but let's go into a little bit more the basics. Like, what are the four main neurotransmitters, and what do they do? Well, let me uh, let me make uh, ask myself a different question first, and that is, what is a neurotransmitter? Okay, yeah, much Yeah, because we we all use that term, but none of us really know what it is. But So the brain is made up of neurons, which are interconnected brain cells. They're like rest stops on the freeway. You know, you've got the road, and then you've got the the place, and things are shooting back and forth. And so the messages that tell the body what to do, uh, everything, breathe now, urinate now, filter that toxin in the kidney now, swallow, all these messages travel along these these interconnected brain cells. And then at the end of each neuron, there's a gap to the next one. That's the synapse. And so you to get the message across the gap, so I'm carrying the message, but I have to jump this, this uh, gorge to jump over. I have to carry the message across. So to do that, the neuron releases a neurotransmitter. Oh, it's a transmitting vehicle for the for the message. So it's a neurotransmitter to shoot that message across the synapse, across the gap. And then that gets the message across, hopefully. There's somebody on the other side receiving that is functional. Um, and that's a little more complicated area of neurotransmitters is, is do you have a neurotransmitter? Is it able to jump across the synapse? And is there somebody there on the other side to catch it? So um, anyway, so the message gets across and the sending neuron then reuptakes. It takes back up that, that raft or that boat, that transmitter, and it, and it takes it back up to recycle and reuse it again. So if a neurotransmitter is lacking, a message can't be sent. And that is the bottom line for so much of what is going on mentally and emotionally and all of us is that the simply the messages calm down, sleep, digest this food, go kill that bacteria, breathe more deeply, whatever, uh, relax that pain, that spasm in your shoulder. If if there's something wrong in these in the neurotransmitter system, the message can't be sent. So that that's an introduction to neurotransmitters. <laughs> uh, so ask the question again, and then I'll, I'll I'll ask that again about the answer that. Yeah. So what are the four main neurotransmitters, the ones that do most of the work in our body? Well, one of my favorite books, and the one that pulled me out of of a really bad place, is called The Edge Effect, The Edge Effect by Dr. Eric Braverman, and he um, and then since him uh, Julia Ross has written the the mood cure and the diet cure and she has some good information but differs slightly on how she approaches the neurotransmitters but the the book I use it's only 12.95 and you can buy it on Amazon for less than that I, I recommend it to everyone the edge effect 
But what Dr. Braverman talks about is that there are four main neurotransmitters. And I sometimes refer to them as the four tires on your car. <laughs> you want them all the same size of tire. You want them all new. You want them all pointing the right way and balanced. But another analogy is they're, they're like four horses in a four-horse team pulling your wagon. And if you're assembling four horses to pull your, pull your stagecoach, pull your wagon, you want to pick four horses that are similar in size, similar in strength, similar, similar in stamina. They, they don't have bad feet, you know. They're not dying of asthma. So you want four well-matched horses to pull, to pull your body, to pull that stagecoach. And there, two of them are excitatory, which I call the go-go's, and two are inhibitory, and I call those the slow-slows. So dopamine and acetylcholine are the go-go's, and GABA and serotonin are the slow-slows. And um, so can I, I want to give a definition of what each of those four do very briefly. So, and... For those of you that have never listened to me before, I give a lot of information, so it's really good to get a piece of paper and a pencil because you're going to learn a lot of things. So, and I talk fast, so you got to write these things down. Um, <laughs> all right, so <laughs> so dopamine. It's one of the excitatories. It's a go-go. Dopamine is responsible for the voltage in your brain, literally the voltage, the power of your brain and therefore your whole metabolism. So dopamine, power, voltage, metabolism, energy, okay? So that's why I call it a go-go. Acetylcholine is the speed of the brain. So you could have tons of voltage. You've got all the power in the world. But if you're, it's like you've signed up for the slowest Internet in the world, but you've got a $4 million computer. <laughs> so if you don't have any speed, all that power is used useless and and some the other way too. You can have all the speed, but if you don't have the voltage, things are going to get out of whack. So so there's your speed and there's your power. And then you have to balance everything in nature, right? Yin and yang, light and dark, fast and slow, up and down, run, sleep. So we need the inhibitory neurotransmitters equally, and that's GABA and serotonin. And serotonin is really interesting it it has to do with symmetry in the brain like left brain right brain firing like if it's, it's if you've got the power the voltage but it's all happening on the left brain whoa that's not good so serotonin's responsible for symmetry and synchrony synchronicity in the body and it has a quality of, of playfulness or satisfaction when your brain is balanced you're satisfied. You don't need more food. You don't need more sex. You don't need more sleep. You don't need to gamble some more. You're, you know, you're, you're more playful. You're more satisfied. You're, the brain is balanced. And then the last one, which is my favorite neurotransmitter, because this is the one I found out that was literally killing me, was the absence of this, and that's GABA, G-A-B-A. And GABA governs rhythm and stability in the body. So rhythm and stability. So maybe everything else is going great with your lungs, for example, with its neurotransmitters and the dopamine and serotonin, everything's getting messages and it's all healthy tissue. But if your GABA is off, 
And maybe it'll affect your lungs by you, you breathe too fast, you breathe too slow, you have asthma, or you can't swallow, or it's all, so each of these neurotransmitters governs dozens of issues, but that's another way to think about uh, GABA is stability and rhythm. Like your menstrual cycle is, is always off and your sleep cycle is you can't sleep right and you're mentally or physically just not stable. You you fly into anger or rage. Your blood sugar's not managed. You get hot, you get cold. So that was a very long introduction to, to what is a neurotransmitter. So I'll, I'll turn it back over to you for a minute there, Wendy. <laughs> yeah, well, why are people today suffering so much from neuro, neurotransmitter deficiency? Is it stress? Uh, there's obviously numerous factors involved. All right. So it, remember what we said at the beginning that, first of all, you have to have sufficient neurotransmitters, A. B, you have to have them all in balance. See, you have to have you have to have the message being fired across the synapse, which takes a variety of vitamins and minerals and other amino acids and enzymes and things. You have to have receivers on the other side to t- receive these messages, and there we get into things like mercury and toxins and vitamin and nutrient deficiencies. But the, so the problem is in all of those areas. We we're basically worn out is is the bottom line. We're stressed out, worn out, depleted because we're living a life that our bodies never evolved for. We didn't evolve to work this hard, to worry this much, to be inundated with radio and microwave and EMF frequencies 24 hours a day, to be, you know, worrying about, you know, global war and, you know, everything. And, um, uh, and, so we've, we just tend to, I think the main thing is we tend to exhaust our neurotransmitters if we can make them properly in the first place, which means we're eating a nutrient-dense diet. Like you talked about being vegetarian, you're not going to have the proteins. You're not going to have the essential fatty, fatty-soluble vitamins like A, D, and K, which play a big role in, in some of this transmission stuff. So you've got to not deplete them, you have to make them, and you have to be able to use them. Well, can you make them from uh, vegetarian proteins and plants? You know, I I can't give you a definitive answer on that. A protein is a protein is a protein. If you have a, 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 a unit of tyrosine or you have a unit of phenylalanine or you have a unit of of tryptophan. They're all basically just proteins. So theoretically, you should be able to get that from uh, a, a protein from wherever that protein comes. The, the problem is, is that in the vegetarian family, the balance of proteins are, are skewed. There, there are many that are just missing. Um, there's not enough of them, which of course we know meat has more protein than, than rice, for example. And then again, these the co- these critical cofactors, the vitamins, the minerals, the fats, um, all, you know, omega threes, uh, vitamin D, all these things are critical, not only to putting together of the neurotransmitter, but in also in in firing it and receiving it, and then putting it into action. So, uh, you know, for for clients that don't eat a lot of animal protein, the we carry a um, pumpkin seed protein powder. 
It's from Omega Nutrition. They have wonderful pumpkin seed butter and pumpkin seed oil, and they have this pumpkin seed or yeah, pumpkin protein powder. So it's not pumpkin seeds. It's a protein powder extracted from pumpkin seeds. Um, and that uh, is is an, uh, a nice non-whey or whatever uh, protein source when people need an extra boost for whatever reason. Okay. And in our fast-paced society, most people are in a constant state of stress and anxiety, and this obviously is a state that depletes neurotransmitters. And, you know, people, they work too much and they sleep too little. And how are our neurotransmitters and the adrenals in the brain, and therefore the entire body, affected by the stress? Well, let's back up a second. Let's let's look. All right, let, let's, for example, take a... Oh, any animal, a, a wild animal, like a shark. So that shark evolved over a long period of time to be that particular shape, have a particular diet, have particular social habits. Um, so, you know, everything about that was, was kind of basically established a really long time ago. Sharks have just not changed much in a really long time. Now, if you take that shark and put it in a, a, a concrete pond at SeaWorld or something, and then you feed it with factory-farmed salmon or something, that we know instinctively that shark is not going to be a healthy shark. It's not, it doesn't have the open water. It's, it's, it's getting um, food. It's missing a lot of elements in its food. It doesn't have its own social world, whatever that is, to a shark. Um, it's in close proximity to other creatures, including humans, that it's not particularly interested in. So we're the same way. We evolved in a very distinct pattern of uh, lots of free time, walking, occasionally sprinting when we were uh, running down a, a wounded rabbit or running from a, a predator or a person hunting us um, or coming after us. So but mostly, you know, we had our food and we had our shelter and we hung around and we've had fire for a million years. And, you know, it's kind of find rabbit, kill rabbit, cook rabbit, eat rabbit, sleep, um, make love, do some r remedies to the shelter, um, you know, and then get up and do it again. Go find another rabbit, except this time maybe it's an elk or whatever. So that's how our brains are wired is occasionally you're going to be terrified and have to run like heck but the rest of the time you're either relaxing or doing some kind of steady work assuming you're not in an ice age where you're you're really struggling for food all the time so I'm, I'm not talking about that and so anyway that's a different story so we're not wired to be on deadlines and have crises and thoughts and worries and planning and to-do list and uh, things, taxes to file and all this stuff. We're just not wired for it. And therefore, it's all a stress to us. So what, what might be, quote, unquote, not a problem in your mind, it is a problem to your nervous system. It's, it's reading that constantly buzzing telephone or just that 30-minute drive to work where you're, you are taking your life in your hands behind a wheel of a car, and your nervous system is activated, hopefully, <laughs> to, 
being aware of, of what's going on to keep you focused. So it's not just the stress that we can think about, like a, a relationship or, or money or they keep the air conditioning at 66 in my office and I'm freezing all the time. All of this is cumulative to your body. It's mental, it's physical, it's emotional, and it just it wears us out. Yeah, and that's why adrenal fatigue is epidemic in our society. The gland that produces our adrenaline and you know ten other um, ten other um, hormones that our, our body just well, can't handle. It. That's right, and cortisol is a is a hugely important hormone for us. It it gives us stamina, it gives us muscle, it gives us strength, and uh, we really need that cortisol. We don't want the larger part of the adrenal is the part that makes cortisol. The smaller part of the adrenal is the part that makes adrenaline. And and that is exactly what I'm talking about is that balance between work and live and eat and make love and hunt and rest and act and, oh, my gosh, run like heck. It's a big crisis. And, and that's literally how the adrenals are built. It's mostly for cortisol and only a little for that emergency Adrenaline, and then we're living on this cortisol, 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 cortisol all the time, and then it, it just gets exhausted. It's not ready for it. And and I've run hundreds of saliva hormone tests, and it's extremely rare, as in like never, that I see high cortisol on people. And yet, in all the health magazines, that's all you ever hear about is the dangers of high cortisol. But I guess by the time anyone sees me for any reason, and I run a saliva hormone profile. Their adrenals are already um, maybe still normal or mostly they're starting to be fatigued or are fatigued. I rarely see them in a high cortisol state. Yeah, I have the same thing. I do a hair mineral analysis and um, just in all my studies, they're, they're finding very few people that don't have some sort of adrenal fatigue or some level of it. It's just you know epidemic in our society, our fast-paced society. Um, can you explain how a deficiency of neurotransmitters contributes to depression? Well, you have a word called depression, but we could talk for three hours about what that word means, both culturally, you know, maybe it means something to uh, um, a Muslim or a, a wealthy merchant in India or a fisherman in China. So, Depression is a is a cultural word. Um, it's a catch word, and for many people, the number one thing that depression is is really fatigue. It's just plain worn out fatigue with too much worry, and I'm tired. But there's so much more I have to think and worry about, and we kind of label that depressed. And remember, we talked about dopamine. Um, Dopamine is the neurotransmitter that works with voltage in the body and metabolism and power. So if, you're, if, you're, if your brain is literally tired, you're not uh, producing and using and receiving your dopamine, your brain is tired. And believe me, if your brain is tired, everything is tired. It's just uh, the voltage on everything slows down. If the adrenals are tired, everything is tired. If your gut is sick, like all of our guts are from, from, from gluten and, and sugars, um, we know, of course, that's where most of the neurotransmitters are made is in the intestine. Um, so 
depression though is is just a big word it it can also mean sick um you know people with with chronic low grade viruses chronic low grade bacteria uh chronic candida and then of course hormones out of balance so we're these amazingly complicated systems and um things can kind of fall apart in a number of places but if you so Anyway, the word depression it has multi, multi answers. Okay, but but we do know that when dopamine goes down and when serotonin goes down, then we know that we can have something that we might call a clinical depression, even for someone who's not exhausted and worrying or in marginalized health. Um, not that I've ever met anybody like that, because we're all really overworked. Um, especially as you get older and your 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and the children and all this stuff, it gets very cumulative. It's it's not such an issue generally in your teens, 20s, and 30s when, when you just haven't um, done too much for too long, although there are huge exceptions to that statement. So, um, again, we're just, we're, things are depleted and we're, we worry and we, we don't feel well and, and we're depressed. Yeah, I mean, one in ten people are on antidepressant medications called SSRIs, serotonin selective reuptake inhibitors. And can you explain how these work and if there are better alternatives? Yes, um, the SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. It what it does is they don't contain serotonin. What they do is, and actually, they don't. We don't know exactly how they work. All right, it's one of those things. Like, well. It seemed to do this, and we don't know why, but it seemed to do it, and it seems to be helping some people, so let's let's sell it, okay? And then off we go. And then the different um, uh, prescription serotonins, are they're actually a little different from each other. Selexa, Lexapro, Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft, they each work a little differently, but nobody ultimately is really sure how they work. But <clears throat> my um, sense of it is, and, is that they that they inhibit the reuptake of that serotonin so that it, it hangs out a little bit longer in the gap. Remember that synapse, the gap? <clears throat> so the reuptake inhibitor lets it just hang out a little bit longer in the gap, getting that last me- bit of the message across the gap. So they somehow make make things happen differently in the synapse. Um they don't supply extra serotonin, and they don't improve the reception of the serotonin, but they do improve the transmission of the serotonin or other, yeah, there are also other reuptake inhibitors, not just serotonins, but um, it just keeps them sparkling in the in the gap a, a little bit longer. So there, it's you get a little more bang for your buck that way. And aren't they eventually depleting because they're constantly keeping in the synapse and the synapse and the synapse, and eventually... You you deplete the serotonin, so they stop working. I you know I don't I don't think anyone knows the answer to that because again we're not really sure what what we're doing with them and how they're working, and it may be they're not depleting the serotonin. It may be that you're just not making enough serotonin for a variety of reasons. But it you know they could be messing with the feedback loop. Um, the brain saying no no really I have enough you don't need to make more. 
So I, I really don't know the answer to that question, and I doubt there's probably anyone that actually does know the answer to that question. And it's very, very difficult to measure neurotransmitters. Um, there, there are several companies doing tests for them, uh, blood and urine and this and that and the other, and um, and frankly, they're all just a little bit questionable to me because in many cases you're looking you're looking for it's like the smoking gun. If you if you see a gun and there's a little trace of gunpowder going poof out the end of it, you're pretty sure that it just fired a bullet. You're not 100% sure, but you're pretty sure. And and so these the tests that we have for neurotransmitters, they'll say, well, we found a little of this substance there, and so we think that means there was a neurotransmitter there earlier today. It, it's just... It, that's why I like the book The Edge Effect so much is that it it let first of all he has tests in there that are fun to do like um, just little quizzes and things to draw and remember from this page to the next and 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 there and questions of you know have you noticed that you really just don't want to be around other people you're really becoming more of a loner lately or have you noticed a sudden reflux that you've been starting to have heartburn lately and you don't know why or there's a lot of questions that you go through and answer. And to me, that's the best way to get an idea of which category you might be somewhat deficient in. So you didn't ask me that question, but the whole concept of, of neurotransmitter testing is a little awkward yet still. Um, I'm, I'm just getting ready to send off my test with an amazing new lab that I don't know, have known, not known about, Saber Sciences, S-A-B-R-E, Saber Sciences. Um, so I'm going to try their urinary neurotransmitter and, and see if it makes any sense to me. But I think really working with his book is the best way um, for many people to get a sense. Yeah, when was that written? Oh, gosh, maybe 10 years ago or even longer. Um, yeah, but, uh, it's, it that it's sounds just interesting. Yeah, and then uh, the Julia Ross did her books, The Brain Cure, The Mood Cure, after him. She references him, and she, I think she kind of took a lot of his ideas and then redid them in, a, in an excellent way that, that made the books bestsellers. And um, So they're also very good, but she doesn't talk about acetylcholine. She gets off into endorphins, so it kind of blows my four-horse theories uh, a little bit. But um, uh, so the... the the, how to repair all of this system is how you're going to repair anything. The first thing you have to do is turn it off and stop. It, you know, if there's water flooding out of your toilet, the first thing you have to do is turn the water valve off and stop the, the water flooding out of the toilet. Then you're going to be able to figure out why the toilet is backed up, okay? And, and this is something that we're so, of course, this is what modern medicine really is based on is treating the symptom, not the cause. But, and that's why I call my podcast Primal Diet Modern Health, that because I'm exploring not only how we're designed to eat and live and digest and work and all of this, but what really modern healthcare is all about, how to get to the cause of things, not just cover up um, the problem. And now I've I've forgotten the question. <laughs> Where was I going with this one? Oh no, it's about um maybe explaining how the antidepressants work and are there alternatives to them? Well, yes. 
but first, okay, so yes, first you have to stop the depletion of the neurotransmitter. The best way, the best way to have money in your pocket at the end of the day is to not spend it all day. Okay, so mm-hmm. the first thing we have to do to improve our neurotransmitter um, warehouse, our supplies is stop using them up. And that means that we have to start paying more attention to what is going on with our mind and how our mind runs us and how we've made so many choices in the world that we're just like little crazy robot people running around doing things. We need to step back and reprioritize and do some hard thinking about our life. And, um, and there's just no way around it. We, I just, I have to just beg my clients. And then finally myself, I'm like, okay, Beverly, you need to stop and take a break. You've got to do some re-prioritizing. You've got to get handled some of these deep emotional issues. Some of them, of course, still very strongly lingering from childhood. These parental issues that drive us to overproduce and overperform and never be satisfied with ourselves and call ourselves, oh, that was stupid. Well, no, wait a second. Where did that come from? And all these things, we have to take a look at these deep driving forces in us that make us uh, get addicted to Twitter and, and, you know, and hold down three jobs when really, you know, we don't have to. But so number one is, got to get your life under control and stop using up your neurotransmitters so fast. You'll sleep better, you'll worry less, your immune system will work much better, and your brain won't atrophy. So then if you are going to meanwhile supply some support to your, to your neurotransmitters, the thing that I would supply are things that are going to help calm you down and so that you can stop having such a racing mind. And because if your mind is racing, your body interprets that, that something is chasing it with a very sharp stick or big teeth, right? It's just like they say, if you go to a, a, a watch a violent movie, your, your brain, your body does not know the difference between that movie prop and that guy being shot and bleeding and a real murder happening in front of you. And... So when we're worrying our brain constantly, like, oh, 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 what if, what if, what if, it keeps that brain in that fight or flight using up our emergency reserves. So I know. I've had, stop, I've had to stop watching scary movies and stressful movies and television shows because I now that I'm in touch with my adrenal glands and when they start producing adrenaline or cortisol and stressing me out, I, I realize that the films like that, they do stress you out watching the news. They do get uh, they they use up your hormones. Yeah, and then you you dream about uh yourself in that movie scenario that night. It's your brain still trying to process, gosh, that guy was coming after her with a big gun and she was bleeding everywhere and then you wake up in the middle of the night and you were you were dreaming about it. It's like it's still your brain's still trying to process that that stress is gone now and it can relax and go to sleep. Um so yes, of course, for serotonin, we all know that that uh, tryptophan is a, is possibly or 5-HTP, 5-hydroxytryptophan that these will help the body restore its serotonin supplies, but it can be more complicated than that because they require B6, and a lot of us 
because of our bad diets and our sick guts aren't making much B6 in our guts anymore or processing in our, in our livers. But um, there are amino acids that you can take, tryptophan, 5-hydroxytryptophan, um, tyrosine for the dopamine, phenylalanine for the dopamine. But the, I prefer to go with people is, first, let's get your gut healthier because that's where the action's happening in the neurotransmitters. And the whole source of the body-mind connection is this interaction between your gut and the, that big 13-pound fat, fatty brain on the top of your head. There's a big thing going on here between your brain and your head and the brain and your intestine. And the sicker our intestines are, the sicker our brain and therefore everything is. So we've got to get that gluten out of there and the sugars out of there, get those nutrient-dense foods in there so that we can restock on vitamins and minerals and proteins and the body will happily make these neurotransmitters and things itself. Um, but let me go back to GABA for a moment. Um, so GABA, again, is a neurotransmitter for stability, and it's notoriously depleted when, when we are anxious and obsessed, when we can fly up into, like, God, I was fine a minute ago, and then I was yelling at that poor yard guy, what is the matter with me, or... Um, uh, rhythms and cycles of all kinds. Irritable bowel is a big one that my bowel was fine for a week and then the last two days, whoom, diarrhea, what is that all about? Well, that's uh, that's a stress response from the bowel. And, and Braverman's book will help you look at some of the other symptoms for that. But with GABA, rather than take the amino acid GABA, which I think really doesn't work very well for many people, I prefer the, um, an extract from passionflower, and passionflower is a wild weed, a flowering weed. It grows in fences here in Texas on outside the highway. It's a beautiful flower. Um, and it contains really a high-quality natural GABA analog that doesn't require much, if any, processing. It's, it's almost like prescription GABA, but, but it's very low in strength and it's very safe to use. Um, we, we, you know, kids, teenagers, old people, whatever – Everybody can use passion flower. And um, I, it's, it is our number one supplement in, in my clinic. And it's on my website on diet and health. I have a, one tiny little store with only 10 items in it. I have thousands of supplements in my clinic, but I have a store with only 10 items. And passion flower is number one. If you go to my website and click on supplements, um, that's, a, that's the particular passion flower we use. It's a little different than what you find in the store. It, it's uh, it's in a glycerin base, which makes it sweet, so you can just squirt it in your mouth and at the middle of the night or while you're driving down the road, and you don't have that strong alcohol um, herbal base that you have to have water to to chase it with. Yeah, and isn't uh, isn't passion flower that works on GABA? And don't you have anxiety if you have a deficiency of GABA? Well, anxiety is a is one of the big um, symptoms of a GABA problem, and also obsessive thinking. And and so when when I I really had a, a big major mental breakdown here about ten years ago, uh, I lost my dad, my stepmother, my godchild, uh, a fiance didn't die, but he was lost. Um, you know, a cat. You know, I was going through menopause. It was just you know this oh, immense level of overwhelm all at the same time. Yeah, I was completely, I mean, I literally was crazy. I was sane enough to know that I was crazy, but I, I couldn't figure out 
you know, I couldn't get my hormones balanced. I couldn't sleep. You know, it was just utter chaos. Um, but until I saw Dr. Braverman and, and he, uh, anyway, he worked with me on my GABA issue. And my GABA issue was so bad, I actually needed uh, anti-epileptic drugs. So drugs do have their place. And sometimes um, a little bit of Paxil, a little bit of Zoloft, a little bit of this, a little bit of that can really help you. But the thing is, is that you most in my experience, most doctors, even the quote-unquote naturopaths and natural health doctors, they will tend to overdose people. Oh, here's some bioidentical progesterone, you know, use this much. And, oh, here's, here's this, use that much. And um, so, but even so with things like natural progesterone, much less something like Paxil, I tell my clients, look, this may be the way to go but I want you to start at a quarter of the dose, they suggest. You can always go up, but um, we don't want to just slam something into the body. It's, it's going to cause a ripple effect that may not be what, what you wanted. And tiny doses are all that are needed. So um, uh, there's several of us in my clinic that are on very low doses of, of Paxil or Lexapro, for example, and you know, basically a quarter of what our doctors would suggest and they know it. They know what, what, what they're on. So, um, like I say, you can always go up. But, um, okay, so there, there's just, yeah, a little bit with that. But, yes, GABA has many symptoms, but obsessive thinking that constantly, uh, it's not like you see in the cartoon or the movie, like you have to check the doorknob 24 times, although that definitely, you know, is a sign. But it's also just the that constant rambling chatter in your head. Okay, I have to do this and then I do that. Or did I already do that? I can't remember. Oh, but I should have done it better. Well, okay, I'll do that. Okay, in five minutes I'm going to do that and blah, 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 blah. It's just that obsessive, compulsive thinking, the inability to still your mind. Does that also relate to ruminating, rumination where people are going over and over negative thoughts yes, constantly that exactly. contributes to depression? Well, that's not depression. That's obsessive compulsive thinking. And mm-hmm. if, if you know, there's an easy experiment for that, and that is that we all know people who do meditate and can meditate and are good meditators. But for many of us, the only way we can still our mind is by being in some form of body-centered work, like uh, yoga or Pilates, where we're so focused on that right arm, that right shoulder, that right muscle, that we can take our mind away from our mind and put it into the body. But to be able to just sit down in a chair and attempt to meditate, um, if your mind is just one giant scramble of, of repetitive thinking, yes, that's GABA. And it's also serotonin is, is in that ballpark too. It's also inhibitory. It's helping to stop these um, overfiring signals. Yeah, and isn't Xanax uh, the medication that works on GABA? That's one of them. Um, Clonopin, Xanax, Valium, heroin, marijuana, alcohol, they all work on GABA. And um, that's one of the things in, in Dr. Braverman's book that he gives a little score that for each of these four neurotransmitters and on a scale of 1 to 10, if you're approximately at a 5, you might be experiencing uh, you know, PMS, TMJ, gosh, people with TMJ that suffer so much, I'm telling you, it's a GABA problem, GABA or and serotonin. Um, 
you know, TMJ, anxiety, PMS, that very often is related to serotonin. And then as you get farther down the list of more and more depleted in GABA, you get tantrums and rages, reflux, um, pain, unremitting pain, and then finally down into uh, alcohol, heroin, marijuana. They're the only way that you can survive. And it gave me great compassion for for addicts of of anything from marijuana to heroin and alcohol that that it's literally the only thing keeping them alive um, and until somebody can properly diagnose them. But mostly they're going to just be put on serotonin, which won't help yeah. with the GABA. Yeah, and I think whenever I've uh, you know known someone that's been addicted to alcohol or marijuana or what have you, that it's really just their body crying out for balance. That's right. And so, and and here's an interesting one, and that is ADD. And I I'm a, a huge believer that ADD is a GABA deficiency, just the opposite of the way it's treated medically. Because medically, they put you on speed. Basically, they say you can't you can't stay focused on your homework. Well, let's just put you on speed so your body because if you're running from a tiger, you are very focused. Your eyes, you know, your pupils are dilated. Your heart is pumping. You're not thinking about your 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 broken arm. You're just thinking about running, climbing a tree, getting away from that tiger. So adrenaline and speed will definitely focus you. But the problem is, is that there's too much speed and voltage things spinning around up there. What you really need to be able to do for me, in, in most cases, is slow down get the obsessive, random, fast chaos out of there, and i.e. the passion flower, and you become, oh, oh, I see. Okay, yeah, I wow, I've got three more chapters to read tonight. I better get with it. Um, so that's why we just love passion flower in my clinic so much. It's I just find it so helpful for so many reasons and, and ways and, and it's very safe. At, at the worst you, you're going to fall asleep and, and sleep well and take a long nap but it's not going to kill you and it's not going to addict you. Yeah I read something really interesting in your site about how if you supplement with GABA which you can you can get at any health food store uh, that it works well but but if it does work well that this is an indication of leaky brain and you know how you know exactly how people can have leaky gut. Can you explain this? Yes, just like with with the we have three brain we have three blood barriers in the body, the lining of the intestine, the lining of the lung, and the lining of the brain. That these are like the Great Wall of China. Nothing's going to get through or over or around this baby unless we, the guards at the gut, the lung, and the brain, say, "You may pass and enter my brain directly." Now, unfortunately, MSG, NutraSweet, and Mercury can cross the blood-brain barrier directly. This is why they call MSG um, and and neuro, neuro um, NutraSweet neurotoxins because they are toxins and they can cross the blood-brain barrier. So they literally excite the brain to death um, and poison it, just like the mercury. So. Um, it, if we have this leaky brain, which I don't even want to begin to try to figure out where that comes from. We know that we can guess that leaky gut comes from the contact of the food and the lectins and the allergens and the yeast and the antibiotics and all the stuff we're eating. 
but I can't give you a definitive answer on how the lung barrier and the brain barrier are compromised. But GABA, as its its own particular molecular structure, is not supposed to have access um, to the brain. It's not one that can just jump in and out of there. It has to be changed in a certain way before it gets an invitation to, to cross over. So when people buy just plain GABA in the drugstore, if it works for you, that's actually here's my understanding, and I could be way wrong on this, but if it actually works for you and calms you down, that can be a, a sign that you have leaky brain um, and that uh, it really shouldn't work for you. Because I've had other people say, you know, I took, I just took it and took it and took it. It took, uh, it took me a long time to figure this out. People are saying, this stuff doesn't work. And other people are like, are you crazy? It works great. And as I did more research on it, I did find some references to that, that um, things like um, – Xanax, alcohol, and passion flower can can cross a blood-brain barrier where GABA itself cannot unless it's synthetically modified. Well, yeah, I'm gonna have to get myself about ten bottles of that passion flower because it's sounding real good right about now. <laughs> well, and so, and for people ordering it off my website, it's. You know, just we like it. Yes, you can buy anything on Amazon, but hey, support your local podcaster. But um, we tell people learn how to use it. it. It says on the bottle 10 to 60 drops one to four times a day. So it's telling you, gosh, it's got a pretty big range of, of dose. We tell people just maybe right now as you're leaving your appointment, kind of do a reality check. How do I feel? Is my pulse racing? Am I hyper? Am I tired? Am I mad? Whatever. And then take exactly 10 drops. And then in about 20 minutes, do another reality check. How am I feeling now? And then the next day tomorrow, take exactly 15 drops. And then next day, 20 drops and so on so that you know, oh, my God, somebody hit the dog. I've got to take the dog to the vet. You know that you may need a 40-drop dose immediately, and you may well need another 40-drop dose in half an hour and that you're confident what your dose range is because you've already tinkered with it. After all, we're our own best science experiment. So um, that's the way to dose, really, a lot of things, yeah. but that's definitely the way to dose passion flower. Yeah, I love how this natural medicine works really quickly because when you take um, an antidepressant, you're told that it takes three weeks to work. You know, people, they, a lot of times they need relief right now. So it's just a fantastic, you know, product for that. And well, St. John's wort, back to your question about um, serotonin, St. John's wort, of course, work, can work extremely well for helping replete serotonin. And so I shouldn't have left that out, uh, right? Here we are an hour or whatever into the show. It should have been right at the beginning. St. John's wort, especially if you buy good quality St. John's wort, not something that's, you know, uh, on the back shelf at Walgreens or something, but... Um, uh, St. John's Wort also can take a couple of weeks to 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 get those synapses up and the the serotonin replete, but St. John's Wort can work quite well. And um, so, but if you're already on a full dose SSRI, do not take St. John's Wort also. And I'm going to repeat that: if you're already on a, a medically dosed uh, Paxil, Prozac, whatever, do not take. St. John's Wort or tryptophan or 5-HTP also. Don't do them both, and that's a whole other story. But um, if you're not on things and you want to play with something, 
uh, play with some 5-HTP. By the way, all the amino acids, tryptophan, glycine, taurine, 5-HTP, phenylalanine, tyrosine, did I say that? All the ones that help these neurotransmitters all need to be taken away from food. And that's another common mistake. A, a protein taken with food, your body just like, oh, well, they just had an extra bite of steak. But if you take that dose of tyrosine or, or um, 5-HTP on an empty stomach, then it can work as a therapy as a single amino acid building block to do what you want it to do. So don't take your tyrosine or 5-HTP with food. They have to be on an empty stomach. And 5-HTP and tryptophan must have B6 with them or they don't work. And some people have to take a little B6 with them if they're taking it on a rising and at bed. Yeah, you don't want to take all these expensive supplements and then have all the proteins in your food competing, you know, because they all compete. There's only so much that can cross the, the you know, cross at one time. Yeah, so uh, doesn't the gut produce serotonin? Um, exactly how much uh, does the gut produce and how can we optimize its production? Um, I don't think anybody has the exact answer to that, and I'm sure it, it varies widely from person to person. But but basically, our intestine is our neurotransmitter factory. That's uh, the uh, you know I don't know if you're familiar with Candace Pert P E R T, but Candace Pert um, she has some amazing work. Uh, one of which is your body is your subconscious mind. Your body is your subconscious mind. And she talks about the molecules of emotion. She was featured in that uh, the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? And her book, and I love to listen to her, um, Your Body is Your Subconscious Mind in the Car, along with Eckhart Tolle. And I learned so much from her. But, you know, every cell in, every cell in your body has receptors for hundreds of different things, uh, peptides, dipeptides, hormones, neurotransmitters. It's all... It's not broken down into uh, this doorway and that doorway. It's it's you know it's a big party in there, and um, so things work everywhere. But we but the bulk of the neurotransmitters are produced in the gut, and obviously having a really healthy gut. And when we're under stress, our guts are going to get sick and damaged. Um, so again, we're back to it's not just our food, it's, it is our lifestyle that's going to make the difference at every step of this process. I had another question. What, can you take the passion flower while you're on SSRIs? Absolutely, because it's playing with GABA, not so much with serotonin. Okay, good. I just want to clarify that just so the listeners know. And what are some of the steps that someone can go through to take control of their life and their mind, like with supplements and diet and reducing stress? Well, the the diet for human beings, of course, is the key, eating the way your body evolved to eat with plenty of proteins, plenty of saturated fats, plenty of vegetables, some fruits, um, and, uh, you know, staying off the starches and the grains and the sugars and the colors and the junk. <clears throat> we all pretty much know that, that the body, we, we aren't built to be, we're not grazers like horses. We don't burn cellulose and consume it and turn it into food. We're, we're hunters and, you know, we're built for, for protein and for saturated fat and for the, the mushrooms and herbs and flowers and seeds and weeds and eggs and plants and tubers and things that we gather along the way. 
um, while we're foraging and, and, and on our way to the hunt. So we have to take care of our gut. We have to sleep, and we have to do this priority work to to to, to back off. You know, start saying no. No is a is a really important word. No, I cannot um, uh, be your your best friend, or no, I cannot take you on that trip to Arizona or or whatever. We, to be able to say no and keep your priorities firmly in your mind. No, honey, this is not the time to have another child. And, you know, these are hard decisions you have to make, but um, you, you have to do it because if, you're, if your brain is fearful, um, your neurotransmitters are, and your hormones are going to be used up rapidly. Yeah, and are, are there any foods that one should avoid to optimize their neurotransmitters? I know you mentioned gluten earlier. Absolutely gluten, because we all make um, antibodies to gluten. There's a lab called Cyrex Labs, C-Y-R-E-X, which not many people know about, but it's uh, one of my absolute all-time favorite labs. Um, And they have the only decent gluten test in the world. And it's not just the two antibodies that are the officially recognized celiac disease antibodies. It's way more than that. uh, because there there are hundreds of elements in any food. I mean, something as simple as a tomato, and you look at uh, a detailed research report on all the the ingredients, for lack of a better word, in a tomato, my gosh, it goes on for pages and pages and pages and pages. Same thing with wheat. There's a lot of stuff in there that your body might be attacking uh, in addition to only the two things that celiac disease recognizes as the problem. So, I, I urge people to run Cyrex Labs, the full gluten antibody test, and you'll know whether you're a little bit intolerant or a lot intolerant. And uh, for me, being gluten-free for many, many years, I've, when I first ran the test, I flunked the test miserably and was shocked, and I found out that it was uh, the finally figured out that it was the tiny, tiny exposure to the dust coming off the horse feed, when I would scoop the horse feed out, I have a pony and a donkey, Um, when I'd scoop that feed out into their buckets, that tiny bit of dust that would go poof in the air, and and it's like kibble, it's like horse kibble, if you will. So it's not like dusty, dusty stuff, but it was enough little tiny molecules in the air that I would breathe in um, through that leaky lung barrier, (laughs) and my immune system would attack it. So... So we have to get really gluten-free, and that means skin and hair care products, too, as well as foods. And as far as foods to avoid, yeah, sugars and grains. And I don't think people personally do well on dairy other than ghee. Um, I can eat buckets of of ghee, clarified butter, but that's the only dairy I can tolerate. And Cyrex has tests for that, too. But, um, yeah, you've got to eat like a human being. Get my DVD. It's a great DVD. It will help people understand how to eat this way and why and how to explain it to their friends and family without you sounding like a crazy person saying, well, I don't know, I'm trying to eat like a hunter, and people laugh at you. Um, And if you're not going to read the book, get the DVD or any of the books, get the DVD, and then you can pass it on and share it or watch it with your boyfriend or your parents. Yeah, I'm learning uh, the telling people to eat like a caveman is a bit of a hard sell. Like People just don't relate to it. No. But it works. We, we're, our bodies are just like the cavemen. 
even though we're in modern times. Um, but so we, we, listener, uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, except for the fact that we're inundated with the electromagnetic fields that are coming off our cell phones, our computers, Wi-Fi, TVs, microwaves, cell phone towers, the cars, hair dryers, um, you know, our bodies obviously never evolved with that. And it's they're terribly damaging to us. And, I, I, you know, people say, oh, you can't get away from it. Well, I don't have a cell phone and I don't have Wi-Fi in my house. And I don't have Wi-Fi in my office building. I own the office building, and all my tenants are, you know, when they want to come in, I say, that's great, but you can't have Wi-Fi. And, you know, people think that's ridiculous. Well, it's not. You know, I don't want to subject myself to being in that field. And I'm doing a podcast next week on earthing. And as we speak, I'm sitting here with my foot on an earthing mat, and I have one in my bed, an earthing sheet. And um, earthing is a tremendous, tremendous way to uh, help your body handle stresses of all kinds and um, it's extremely easy you're you just it's a it's a rubber pad and and it, it, the little prong on it plugs into one of the three holes on your grounded um, electrical outlet it's the, the the ground on your on your electrical outlet not one of the ones with the power it's the third one um, anyway there I highly recommend them you can get them on Mercola website or on earthing.com and they'll they'll help all kinds of problems. Yeah, I was really fortunate when I was pregnant with my child. I was living on the beach at the time, and every single day I'd go walking on the beach. And it's it was really uh, just a wonderful pregnancy because of that. Because I was, you know, detoxing all this, um, I don't know, all these bad electrical fields, and it it just it's hard to explain, but it does so many healthy things for your body. Well, even just getting your bare feet on grass or on uh, natural rocks or uh, as long as they're not sealed and coated like a um, concrete pad or whatever, but putting your feet in dirt, in grass, on rocks, and uh, you'll be grounded. And and if everything's really dry, it helps to um, just have a little moisture on your feet, you know, a little spray bottle or something or wet grass. The The water, of course, helps to conduct the, the earth is a big electrical field, and um, our bodies are starved for electrical balance because we're so massively thrown to the other extreme. We're so surrounded with electricity, um, and earth is, is the balance to that. So when you're outside, you know, get a, at least a finger or something touching earth or grass and uh, get yourself grounded as frequently and as much as you can. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's fantastic advice that I... I you know, consciously try to do every single day is to ground my body properly. And so can you tell the listeners um, what your opinion is on supplementing neurotransmitters? Because we had talked a little bit about, you know, 5-HTP, the precursor to serotonin and tyrosine, which is the precursor to dopamine. Um, but what are your thoughts on supplementing with these? You know, I understand, you know, you know, that's, that's what's typically recommended by Julia Ross in the Mood Cure. Like, oh, if you're low in serotonin, just take the the just take the 5-HTP or or other neurotransmitters. What are your thoughts on that? Well, because food first, it's it's food first is my motto, and um, you you have to do the work and get your diet right first, and get your life under control first, and your toxins under control. A supplement is a supplement. It's not a cure. 
is a supplement. It's something you add once you've done all the other things. It's like waxing your car once you've gassed it up and washed it and repaired the, the, the bad brakes. Then if you wash it, that's a supplement. <laughs> um, so, you know, even though I'm a clinician and I sell thousands of dollars in supplements and all this stuff, my, my supplement use with clients has reduced about at least 60% since I've been strongly encouraging um, gluten-free diet, the diet for human beings. It's, it, people's need for supplements just plummets when they stop eating the bad things and start eating the good things. So first of all, get, do the work. Secondly, read the edge effect and do the, all the tests in there. Third, get the mood cure. And you can check all those out from the library too. And then if you think, wow, it's GABA, then, yeah, just get on my website, get my passion flower, or, or get some 5-HTP from Whole Foods. Uh, but, you know, anytime you supplement, you do one thing at a time. You don't just start taking handfuls of stuff, and you don't know if it's which one's giving you diarrhea and which one's making you have a headache and which one's actually helping. Yeah, isn't it true that if you you can if you take one, for instance, take five HTP to increase your serotonin, that you can throw your neurotransmitters out of balance? Well, sure. It's like anything else. If that wasn't the problem, and and you start supplementing it, then you're not helping. You know, you're you're adding another horse to the team that you know maybe you didn't need it. You know, maybe you just needed to fix the one that was that was falling behind on the team because you forgot to feed it for three days. So. Um, you know, that's what modern healthcare is all about, is trying to get to the cause. And um, it, it, an actual deficiency of tyrosine is not that common if you're eating proteins and, and fats and reasonably digesting your food. So the actual neurotransmitters themselves are often not in short supply. It's the fact that you're using them up too fast or the cofactors aren't there. So again, you've you've got to you've got to work it all, and um, and and do things in stages, and be your own best guinea pig. Oh well, thank you so much, Beverly. That was so informative, and I know it's going to help so many people kind of rethink their their program or their protocol they're using to try to treat their depression or anxiety. And thank you so much for being on the show. I just love your podcast, and I've been a fan for quite some time. So everyone, go listen to her amazing podcast and subscribe and leave her a great review. And, you know, you're going to learn a vast array of topics on how to improve your health and nutrition. And I've learned so much myself. And, you know, also click on Beverly's website at ondietandhealth.com. Uh, she's got a great blog with lots of articles on the side about neurotransmitters and GABA and all kinds of information about nutrition. And there's links to um, all her sites and social media and everything that we've talked about today will be on the show notes. So thank you so much, Beverly. Well, you're welcome. And um, for people also to just sign up for my newsletter there, they'll get a free ebook on how to cook a whole bunch of food at one time so you're not feeling like you're cooking all the time. So just sign up for my weekly newsletter and you'll get a, a nice little free ebook and then you'll get um, my weekly blog posts in, in a newsletter or two. And um, get on my Facebook page because there's a completely different information happening over there. So there's a lot to learn and, you know, just always start with food first and with getting better sleep. That, those are the two priorities is food and sleep. And don't forget to make your bedroom as pitch black as you can. That is you're going to way, way increase your whole serotonin tree of, of 
hormones and neurotransmitters if you're sleeping in the dark. And that's something simple that people can do without taking a supplement is sleeping in the dark. Get all your electrical red lights and, and clocks and things with lights on them out of the bedroom and uh, black out all your curtains and don't look at any night lights in the night. Keep your eyes closed if you have to go to the bathroom. You can find the bathroom without opening your eyes. And uh, those two things, better sleep, better food, you'll, you'll go a long way. That and some passion flower and you'll be amazed how much better you can feel and that'll give you the strength and the energy and the hope to get on to the next piece of the puzzle because there's always more to learn there's always more nature paths out there with great information to share with you yeah thank you so much that's sound advice absolutely Uh, thank you so much for being on the show Beverly that was fantastic thank you so much for having me on I always enjoy sharing the knowledge and inspiring people that you can do a lot of this work yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. Empower people to take control of their health. All right. Thank you so much, Wendy. Thank you, Beverly. And thank you all the listeners out there for tuning in to the Live to 110 podcast. Please remember to leave a review on iTunes if you enjoyed what you heard today and help me spread the word on health. And remember, the best time to work on your health is while you still have it. <laughs>